Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Fieldhouse Friends, a podcast with I, Sam Lance of Fog.net and 24-7 Sports, and Connor Becker of Jayhawk Slant and Rivals. Connor, how are we doing today? It's episode two of Fieldhouse Friends. Not bad. Sunday morning, we're back at it. Uh, got a little bit better digs this week for recording the show. Um, how are you doing, Sam? Pretty good. Um, I'm glad to not be in the Lawrence Public Library this week. We are here inside the KJHK Studios instead. Uh, back here for, for Fieldhouse Friends. About to get you caught up on everything Kansas basketball from this past week. And what a week it was for the Kansas Jayhawks. Of course, last time we were on here, we were talking about KU's horrific home loss at the hand of the Kentucky Wildcats, 80-62. to KU was completely dominated in that game from start to finish and needed to rebound with a solid week. And that's exactly what the Jayhawks did. And we'll dive into it next. We're going to start here on Fieldhouse Friends, episode two, on the game fresh on everybody's minds, Kansas versus Baylor, number eight Baylor versus number 10 Kansas inside Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, Unfortunately, I haven't been feeling the greatest the past couple of days. I started feeling kind of sick on Thursday. I went and got a COVID test and and was fine um, for COVID. I actually was not in attendance for for the KU Baylor game. Uh but my man Connor was Connor just kind of how was the atmosphere inside Allen Fieldhouse for that one? Well, I mean, you can imagine how, you know, <laughs> hyped up everybody was to have Kansas start out that hot and I think that really uh made a difference in that game, you know, having a an atmosphere like that to really just get behind and I mean, it was loud, real loud and uh, a lot of people and I mean, they they fill that thing every single game, and it just never ceases to amaze me how many kids come out to watch those games. Yeah, just just from hearing on TV, it seemed kind of like a, a little bit of a turnaround, you know, because against Kentucky, those fans were were kept quiet for the most part because you know Kentucky was was dominating Kansas, but the fans were were jumping in Allen Fieldhouse Saturday, uh, and just what a performance it was by the Jayhawks to really make a complete 360 degree turnaround from Saturday to Saturday and just, you know, play probably the best it has all season to dismantle the Bears. Uh, Connor, what was just kind of one of your your takeaways from the game? Uh, I'd I'd say early on you got, um, I think it was a 12-0 run. They had um, transition points and it was just, I mean, it caught the Bears on the run. It, you know, it caught them off guard. It I mean, it swept them off their feet from the tip. I mean, and you're less than five minutes in, and KU is just rolling you that fast. I mean, that is a that is a, a steep hill to climb from, and, and Baylor just could not seem to dig themselves out of it. Yeah, KU actually came into that game averaging 7.9 fast break points per game in Big 12 play. Against Baylor, they had 17. And, you know, I wrote a story earlier this year talking about, you know, kind of the Jayhawks and, and them getting out in transition, how that helps them. Uh, after the Oklahoma game, I, I had wrote this story, and at that point of the season, KU had scored under 80 points eight times. And in five of those games, they had less than 10 points on the fast break. And on the flip side of that, whenever the Jayhawks have scored 15 points or more in transition, 
uh, they've scored 85 or more points in every single one of those games besides one. And then again, of course, yesterday against Baylor, they have a great offensive performance, 83 points against Baylor. And you could credit it to their ability to, to get out and run in transition. Yeah, I think you can credit that to Kansas' defense. You had you know, a lot of different names making plays, and even some younger Jayhawks, Dewan Harris and uh, Joseph Yesufu, you know, playing a really sound defensive game. Yeah, I mean, KU held Baylor to its season low in points per possession at 0.78. Uh, Baylor shot the worst it has from the field all season at, at 30%. And, you know, while Baylor was without their leading scorer, uh, LJ Cryer, um, their second leading scorer, Akinjo, was was uh, was playing, but he was held to nothing by Dewan Harris. So, I mean, if you think about it, Baylor's two leading scorers are the although one of them didn't play in the game, they were held to zero points. So, you know, really, where was kind of Baylor trying to get offense from? Uh, they they weren't getting it from from many people. Uh, Adam Flagler led Baylor with sixteen points but he was only 6 of 15 from the field. And then you have the talented freshman, Kendall Brown, uh, who came in second with 12 points, 5 of 12 from the field. But, yeah, I mean, KU just played some suffocating defense. Uh, Ochai Baji said that they were in tune and in sync throughout the, the whole game defensively. No, you're right. Uh, you know, they did a good job holding off Baylor. I think they were, you know, 8 of 31 in the first half from the field. And they stopped when they were leading scoring Zakinjo. I think he's 0-7 in the first half. So it shows, you know, they stopped him early, forced him to take shots that just weren't going to fall. Bill Self, after the game, said that KU's first shot defense was, was really good. And he added that KU and ball screen situations may have been better than they uh, they have all season. Uh, Self said he thought the bigs were really active. I mean, if you, if you watch David McCormick out there, you know, he really wasn't letting Baylor score anything over him. And he was, you know, filling the lane a lot. Uh, I mean, Scott Drew, after the game, said that KU's wings were able to disrupt Baylor a lot uh, with their hands, not really letting them get any sort of passes through. And, I mean, you just have to, you know, credit KU's defense. They they played probably the best game they have all season. They look connected. Uh, their, their switches were on point. And, I mean, Baylor wasn't getting any easy looks. They started off the game 5 of 15 from the field. Uh, Akinjo was 0 of 3 to start, um, and it, that kind of helped KU get out to that 27-13 lead, and, and from there, they they never really looked back. Yeah, I think a lot of that defensive stability came from uh, just winning on the boards, you know, getting rebounds and, and getting them early. That's the biggest thing is when they got them early, that's when they were going to throw the ball in transition and really get things moving. Yeah, and KU was really strong on the glass, uh, especially uh, right at, right there at the beginning I believe at halftime, uh, Baylor is actually able to narrow that gap a little bit to to twenty four twenty in favor of KU. But KU finished the game out rebounding them by nine, uh, forty six to thirty seven. Uh, Baylor grabbed more offensive rebounds than KU, uh, six more to be exact. But KU ended up scoring seven more second chance points. Uh, just some some Ken Palm numbers. Heading into this game that I thought was pretty interesting, Baylor was fifth in offensive rebounding percentage, which was ahead of KU, which is 21st in offensive rebounding percentage. And, uh, I mean, Baylor in that game 
Uh, I believe they rebounded about 33% of their misses on Saturday, which is below their season average of 37.7%. So, I mean, it was a great effort by by KU on the glass. Oh, for sure. And I think you're seeing people kind of step into roles and really take, uh, you know, and, and take that job seriously and understand where they belong on the floor. Uh Dewan, for example, struggled to shoot it, but he had seven assists and three steals. Big night for him. Yeah. I just, as far as kind of the rebounding goes, I mean, Self said that as a team, you know, KU doesn't really have a a ton of true size. If you think about it, I mean, McCormick's really the only one out there who's, you know, really big bodied, 6'10, you know, 250 plus. He's a big body. And then you have Jalen Wilson as as your next tallest player at, at six foot eight. And then you have from there, you know, so, some guards. Uh, Self said that KU as a team, they need to, you know, gang rebound. They need to to work together as a team to be able to rebound the ball. And and yesterday we saw that. I mean, it seemed like every time a shot went up, uh, somebody was putting a butt on somebody. And I mean, if you look at the rebounding numbers, um, it was pretty impressive. I mean, everybody chipped in on the glass. CB led the team with ten. Uh, Ochai had nine rebounds. Jalen Wilson was seven. Uh, David McCormick had eight. Uh, it was just a really, really impressive day on the glass for Kansas. And and when Kansas rebounds the ball, you know they they hang out they hang out and hang around with teams a, a lot better. And and we kind of saw that you know against Kentucky when when KU is dominated on the glass, they they had trouble staying in the game. I think we're going to see Bill Self stressing rebounding even more as we get to the postseason because he knows what a difference it makes for this team, and they're going to need it when they hit March. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, rebounding kind of, you know, ties into to our next point. You know, it just everybody, you know, this last week kind of just chipped in. You know, everybody had a role to play, and I believe kind of those roles are, are starting to become more defined. Uh, you, you mentioned DeWand. He struggled to shoot it, but he had seven assists and three steals. I believe against Iowa State early in the year or early in the week, he had uh, eight assists and three steals. So Dewan has really been, you know, taking pride in being that primary defensive guy, the primary, you know, ball distributor. And then of course you have Ochai, CB, and Jalen kind of carrying the the scoring load, and they are all rebounding really well. And then Dave, you know, against Baylor, he struggles from the field, but he was filling the lane defensively grabbing rebounds. I, I just feel like KU now has a better understanding of where they are as a team and who needs to be doing what. Oh, for sure. I think right now you have um, a lot of the, a lot of guys, like you said, are, are more exciting to watch. They're a little bit more, you know, you go into these games and you expect to see certain things from certain people. And you're saying, well, Dewan, I'm not going to see him just dropping 20 points, but I am going to see him on the floor against Scrabby getting jump balls guy like Dave last season you saw him was a much more of a of a, a point booster for us really was kind of the a guy, presence maybe yeah the guy to put the points to the board now he's taking on a little different role he's a little bit more of a defensive player he's going to take away some rebounds so I think it's interesting how you're seeing these guys kind of shift their roles and actually settle into new spots that we're all just kind of getting comfortable with now yeah and then uh, off the bench right now you know you kind of have three or four guys that that self is has been turning to uh, of course, whenever Remy Martin gets back, he gets healthy. You know, he'll he'll be a key. You know, maybe starter. I mean, it, it doesn't really look like that right now. It looks like Self may want him in that six man role. 
But even whenever he comes back, you still have Lightfoot, who, you know, he was great against Baylor. I, I believe he was perfect from the field. He threw in uh, five rebounds. Five rebounds, had eight points. I mean, Mitch, Mitch is great. He does his thing. Then you kind of have this emergence of, of Joseph Yesifu being able to come in and, and be that guy to bring energy, you know, rebound the ball out of the guard spot, push the pace. And then, of course, you have Jalen Coleman lands as more of a, a spot-up shooter, you know, can come in and be a, an instant offense sort of guy. But I think, you know, Bill Self, uh, he mentioned a few times this year kind of leading up that, you know, he doesn't even know really what the heck he's doing with with the rotation. He doesn't know, you know, who might be the best person to play at this time. But I think he's starting to kind of figure that out now, and, and we're seeing the results against a team like Baylor. I agree. I remember the few... Couple, I don't know if it was Iowa State game, I think it was. He said about Yasufu, he, you know, he's like, you know, maybe, hey, I'm playing the wrong guys. Yeah. You know, he just he dropped that with a smile. I thought that was pretty funny of him to say. But I think that's how a lot of college coaches, you know, learn. They kind of have to do trial and error, pick and pull, and just and see what clicks. Yeah. I mean, Yasufu, I, he was huge against Iowa State. It was sort of kind of his, his come out game. Uh, you know, they, we talked with him in media after the game and he was talking about how you know he's the the old joe again you know the joe at 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 drake that was really impressive down the stretch really impressive uh in march uh but connor this is kind of the the question i have for you what does ku need joe yesifu to kind of be for this team um right now i think his role is um just coming out of a shell as much as he can I think he missed a considerable amount of time this season to really become an integral part of the offense. But I think he is a good enough contributor that you need to keep giving him you know, consistent minutes, as he's seen right now, because that's the best way to get him where you want him to be next season. Yeah. He's still a young player. He's still making that transition from the Missouri Valley. And if you're going to get him at his full potential, you're going to need to you know, sprinkle those minutes in, get those flashes from him until he's ready to step up and really hit his stride. Yeah, I mean, without Ochai in that game against Iowa State, of course, he was uh, out because of COVID-19 protocols. And then not having Remy Martin, I mean, KU needed people to step up. And and Joe Yesufu was was one of those guys who was able to do it. Uh, Coming into that game against Iowa State, Yesufu had played just 21 minutes in conference play. and And he finished with 23 in that game. So... You know, huge boost of confidence for him, and, and we kind of saw it carry over into the Baylor game because, you know, Yesfu was, like, right whenever he got the ball, he was wanting to make plays, he was wanting to shoot it. He had an early three. He just kind of got overshadowed, but he had one. Yeah, and really, uh, that Iowa State game was just a, a complete, you know, sort of team win on the road, and, of course, Yesfu was a big part of that. And kind of, I, I don't know if it necessarily went under the radar, but Dewan Harris in that game was absolutely amazing. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think Dewan had something like six or seven steals. The kid was all over the floor. I mean, he was rounding up balls on both ends. I mean, the guy, what can you say? The guy has a presence. He has a real, you know, real presence. Even with, you know, as a small package, he's got speed, and that speed changes things really quick on a dime. And, I mean, KU... There in the first half against Iowa State, they they played super sloppy. I believe they had sixteen some turnovers uh, in that half, which was one off of a, a season high 
just in the first half, and somehow KU goes into the locker room. What was it up? You know, four or five points. Yeah. Uh, which is which is pretty crazy to me, but yeah, that that Iowa State win was was a great win. I mean, self literally said uh, after the Kentucky game that if he had to choose between you know winning against Kentucky or winning against Iowa State, he would win against Iowa State any day. And that's exactly what what KU did. And, you know, David McCormick, he was pretty damn good, too, against Iowa State. Perfect from the field. Grabbed some rebounds. I believe it was 14 points and 14 rebounds for Dave. Well, I think it was a good game for Dave because Dave is still um, trying to not not nurture himself, but really, really get comfortable in the paint. You know what I mean? And I think you're starting to see Dave kind of settle in and understand that you know, he's not going to have the same role that he did last season. You know, he's not going to be the it guy. But I think right now, that's not who he needs to be. He needs to be himself and uh, feel comfortable getting, you know, getting back on track defensively and really hammering in where, you know, where he's playing his best right now. And that is on the defensive end. KU with the week uh, last week, they went 2-0, and got two, you know, much-needed wins. Everybody really kind of, you know, found success and in some way, shape, or form this past week. So, you know, it it really doesn't get much better for KU having a week like that, but it also doesn't get much easier for KU, especially playing in this league, the Big 12. The Jayhawks have another tough game against Texas on the road. I guess that will be today, once the, the podcast releases, Monday, February 7th. And that'll be the last of a key five-game stretch against ranked opponents. Uh, and with a win over Texas, KU could possibly go 4-1 and one over that stretch of games against Texas Tech, Kentucky, Iowa State on the road, Baylor, and Texas on the road. And that would just be simply remarkable. We'll discuss next week and a little bit more in-depth next with a very special guest, Jordan Gusky. Welcome back, everybody, to episode two of Fieldhouse Friends. And here to join us is the one and only Jordan Gusky over at the Topeka Capital Journal to be our guest today. Jordan, how are things going for you this fine morning? Just living the dream, having a great time. I hear you're uh, at the airport right now, about to head to Austin for a big road game for Kansas. What do you usually do inside the airport to kind of keep you occupied uh if i got work uh then i'll do work uh if i don't have anything work-wise to do then i'll you know enjoy myself uh with a nice adult beverage (laughs) makes makes perfect sense uh but anyways jordan we're here to talk basketball so just kind of transitioning here last week ku was dominated by kentucky inside allen fieldhouse 80 to 62 and then they kind of rebound get a win against iowa state on the road and then of course yesterday they dismantled baylor what is just a takeaway or two you had from this past week of basketball yeah i think um the biggest thing is you know don't take too much stock in a in a single game as the airport people are now talking behind me but yeah just don't take too much of a stock in a single game obviously you know fans don't want to watch uh, their favorite team get crushed at home, uh, especially by, you know, a blue blood rival like Kentucky. But, you know, in the end, it is just one game. They were still doing just fine in the Big 12 race. And obviously against Iowa State and Baylor followed that up 
Um, so yeah, just don't take too much stock in one game, but you know, if there are issues that come up, definitely address them. Yeah. If you had to kind of give, uh, an MVP of the week award to a certain KU player, uh, who would that be? And, and what would be your reasoning for that? Uh, I, I think I'd have to go with Christian just cause, you know, he wasn't necessarily the star at Iowa state, but he was steady and reliable and was a big part of that win. And then I think, you know, Ochai still goes for 18, just like Christian did. Jalen had a great game against Baylor as well, but I felt like the energy on the court at least really came from Christian. Uh, so I guess over the course of the week through those two games, uh, I feel like he earned that. Uh, Jordan, moving ahead this week, you know, KU plays Texas on the road tomorrow. You're on the road yourself. Um, what are you looking forward to in that game, and what maybe you know needs to happen for KU to pull out a win there in Austin? You know, in terms of looking forward, I think – I mean, I guess for me personally, I've never been to that arena before, so I'm, so I'm looking forward to actually seeing a game there. Um, but, you know, I guess we're not totally sure when Remy's going to come back, but if, if he comes back against Texas or maybe later in the week, that'd be something to look for. You know, whether or not Ochai can still be, you know, the consistent, reliable self that he's always been. I just feel like everything sort of right now um, comes back to Ochai, and if he's able to be a reliable piece, uh, then Kansas is going to be in a, in a good spot, especially with Remy out and I guess that goes to show how big the Iowa State win was because uh, they didn't have a try available. Anything catch your eye from Texas? Uh, you know, it seems like Chris Beard is still trying to put together, you know, a bit of those transfer pieces. But uh, UT ranks number nine in defensive efficiency and number forty-one in uh, offensive efficiency in the country. So, what kind of catches your eye about the Longhorns? Yeah, I think just sort of what you're mentioning there. They're finding success, but doing it with a whole bunch of new faces. You know, much like Kansas has had to do. Uh, this year, and you know, I think Texas is a team that will just continue to get better and better um, as the season goes along. And when the Big Twelve tournament and NCAA tournament both roll around, you know, Texas is already a tough out right now uh, and in contention for the Big Twelve title. But they'll definitely be uh, in that position even more so uh, when those tournaments roll around than they are, you know, on Monday. Has anything catch catch your eye about their guards? You know, they have Marcus Carr, uh, Andrew Jones, some some other. Pretty good guards, some transfer guards. Uh, have you have you been able to watch any uh, UT games this year, and what, kind of what have you seen out of those guys? Yeah, you know, you know, some not a not a whole lot, uh, but just there's you know obviously you know this is going to break any news, but there's a lot of talent there, and it's going to test uh, what Kansas is able to do, especially you know as I said for like the thirtieth time without Remy available, if, if that holds true. There's a lot of talent that Texas is bringing at the guard spot, and that's going to test whatever Joe's going to be able to do. Ochai Christian, you know, Dwan, Bobby, uh, however much Bobby plays. There's just a lot of talent in that group for Texas, and it's going to give uh, Kansas some trouble if they're not at 100%. Yeah, with, with a win against Texas, do you think KU kind of puts themselves in that top position to, to win the Big 12? I know with the win they'd remain in first place, but do you think with the, the win at Austin that they'll basically kind of secure that uh, top Big 12 spot? Um, you know, I, I feel like the game against Baylor sort of, in, in terms of putting them in position to be able to do that, I feel like the Baylor game did that more so than the Texas game will, just because that gives uh, Kansas a game in hand against Baylor. I think the Texas game with a win, it just further solidifies their spot. I don't think it necessarily does any more than the Baylor win did uh, in terms of what you're asking about there. And then, of course, after Texas, KU will play Oklahoma at home on Saturday. 
Last time the Jayhawks played OU, they came out with that slight three-point win on the road. Uh, Ochai Abaji, of course, struggled a little bit before scoring 10 of KU's last 15 points. And then CB hit that three-pointer for the win there at the end. What do you see from that game against Oklahoma, and kind of what are you looking forward to with uh, the Jayhawks contest against the Sooners? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing is that, you know, Ochai got hurt, you know, hurt his wrist, I believe, in the first half there and missed a significant amount of time. So I think the biggest thing was seeing Kansas sort of adjust to not having him in there. And then once he got back, him sort of adjusting to, you know, as Christian would say, post-game, you know, the, the pain, the, the tape and all that. And then, as you mentioned, you know, Ochai got going. So I think the biggest thing was just that Kansas sort of had to weather the storm uh, as Ochai was out. And then as it sort of let a lead slip late, you know, regain control. And, you know, CB hit the big shot there at the end and has a nice conversation with some fans in the corner. Jordan, obviously self-made decision to, uh, to you know, sit Remy Martin and, you know, give him some time because of his knee. What, what do you think of that approach? And do you think KU needs Remy Martin to be on this team? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, Mitch said it yesterday uh, after the game that, you know, they need Ochai to be at their best, but they need Remy to be at, you know, the next level above that as well. And, and I think that's true. And I think having him, like Cell said, at 90 or 95% for a shorter period of time is better than having him at 60-65, as that, if that's what Remy had been feeling like uh, in recent games. So I, I think having Remy sit out and, and rest up a bit to get 100% is, is the right move, um, especially if Kansas can continue to hold on uh, to its lead in the Big 12 scenes like it is. Um, so having Remy late is definitely better uh, if that's how it's going to work out. Um, what, with, with Remy out, there's been kind of a gap for Yasufu to fill. And what, what do you just kind of make of Joe's week, you know, Iowa State and then, uh, of course, Baylor? And it, you think he's been able to carve out a consistent role? I mean, even what about when, you know, Remy comes back? Yeah, you know, I think it's tough. I think initially when Bobby went out, I think um, a lot of us maybe sort of expected for that to be the moment where Joe um, sort of established himself and, and carved out a role, but it didn't necessarily happen like that. Um, but it seems like Joe is doing it now with Remy out. So I think, um, you know, with Joe, he's just been able to be, you know, great on both ends of the floor. Energy, you know, as you saw yesterday, he was taking his shots, wasn't really being um, tentative as he might have been at other points in the season. So I think that's been big for him. And like you said, the shots will fall. He's a good shooter. Those shots are going to fall. But, you know, when Remy gets back, it's going to be tough because Remy's going to demand those minutes because not Remy demanding, but just Remy's talent will demand those minutes because Remy's that good of a player. It, it'll be tough. But I think Joe has shown so far enough that, I, like, if it's a decision between Bobby and Joe, although they aren't necessarily the same players, that right now Joe's going to get that edge. Yeah, I mean, against Baylor, it, it kind of seemed that Self trimmed his bench a little bit. Uh, of course, until there at the end, whenever KU extended out its lead and was able to get some more players in. But it seemed like it was just kind of uh, Yesifu, Lightfoot, and then Jalen Coleman lands there for a little bit. Uh, what do you just make of Self kind of trimming down this rotation a little bit? And, you know, what do you, what do you kind of foresee being maybe the, the four – uh, or so guys off the bench come March? Yeah, you know, I think um, because Kansas has had to deal with injuries at times, you know, they haven't necessarily had the extended, you know, game after game after game to have it sort of core together and develop that consistency and chemistry that it might have, you know, had Ochana had to miss a game or 
uh, you know, Jalen missed stuff early, and then, you know, Remy's been out, and, you know, I think Joe and Bobby have both dealt with injuries, Zach has, so there, there's been a lot of injuries this team has had to deal with um, over the course of the year, so, you know, when it's these, you know, more high-profile games, obviously you're not going to be able to go as deep into your bench as you might have in, you know, non-conference play, so I think, you know, that's part of it, just developing um, that consistency uh, with that group and that chemistry on the floor is, is sort of uh, part of why that, you know, trimming of the bench is happening, and Basically, like, are you saying like who, who do I think are the four guys you know off the bench? Is what you're asking? Uh, I was just asking like moving forward, kind of what do you think? Uh, do you think Self will want to trim that bench down to like four or so guys, or do you think he'll kind of keep the door open as as the season moves on? Well, I think um, I think maybe it was the Missouri game that he first started doing something like that, but I think. You know, in these higher-profile games, he's going to want to keep the guys who are giving them the best chance to win in for longer periods of time. Uh, so, not going to go as deep into it because um, he's going to trust those guys like Ochai Christian, Dewan, David, Mitch, and so on to to get that lead and maintain that lead. Um, is is sort of uh, the way I see it there. Um, in, in terms of you know who's coming off the bench in March, you know. Probably Mitch, uh, Remy, if he's still in sort of a six-man role, and Jalen behind him, and you know that's sort of going to be the eight that they go with. And depending on how those games go, maybe KJ gets some time, and uh, maybe Bobby and Joe as well. Yeah, I know you said earlier, you know, don't really take too much in, in one game, uh, but just overall, you know, after a week like KU had, especially you know dominating Baylor like they did, and I and I asked the Shay, uh, I asked Shay this question last week after KU lost to Kentucky, but, you know, what do you kind of think KU's ceiling can be after a win like that and just kind of seeing KU play basically as well as it has all season? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think the ceiling's always been, uh, you know, a Final Four national title um, contender. Uh, I think, you know, what you just saw in, in those two games that you're referencing is, you know, if things don't go well against a team that, Kansas could see in the Elite Eight, like Kentucky or Final Four, like Kentucky, those teams are going to be good enough to put them away in a way that Kansas State wasn't able to, uh, in the way that maybe Oklahoma wasn't able to pull away at the end, and, and so on and so forth. You know, Kentucky's good enough to do that. I'm sure Baylor, you know, had the game not snowballed, would be in a position to do that as well. Um, if, you know, they had gotten the Kentucky version of, of Kansas the week prior. So I think the ceiling has an you know, continues to be a, a Final Four national title contender. Uh, but, you know, with just with the understanding that Kansas isn't invincible, it hasn't been invincible over the course of Big 12 play, um, but it's still perfectly capable of, of winning these close games against talented teams. Yeah, uh, just kind of to wrap up this, Jordan, is there anything, you know, kind of catching your eye as, as KU moves in to this next week of, of their season? Um, you know, I think uh, David's been looking really good on the glass. You know, the, maybe the shots didn't fall uh, against Baylor uh, the way they did against Iowa State, but David has been rebounding the, bound, rebounding the ball really well. Jalen Wilson's looked great as well. Uh, you know, Jalen had a slow start to the year after he came back from his suspension, but, you know, he seems to be really on it now and a key piece of why Kansas has been able to, you know, pull out these recent wins that it's been able to. Yeah, of course. Well, thank you, Jordan, for, for catching up with us. And we will be right back to play a little guest game with Jordan.
All right, everybody, we are back on Fieldhouse Friends, still here with Jordan Gusky of the Topeka Capital Journal, and we are here to play a little bit of a game called Top 3. Basically, I'm going to give Jordan some sort of category, and I want to hear his top three with a little explanation why. First, I'm going to start with the most press pressing question, Jordan, the question that everybody needs to know. What are your top three popcorn brands or places you've ever eaten popcorn in your lifetime? I guess I'll, I guess I'll take this as um, college basketball arenas because I only really know one brand of popcorn. I, I like that idea. Um, so that, that would be a that'd be a short list of just one. So I guess top popcorn venues in college basketball. Number one uh, is Assembly Hall in Bloomington. Uh, that's that's number one. I guess right now number two. Um, would have to be Allen Fieldhouse uh, in Lawrence. And then number three uh, is uh, Hinkle Fieldhouse in Indianapolis where Butler plays, I think would be number three um, that I could think of off the top of my head right now. Those would be my top three. And as for an explanation, you know, I don't really have one, so you're just going to have to trust me on that. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised Allen Fieldhouse is in top, is top two, I mean, or top three. Yeah, no, no Allen Fieldhouse on there? No, I, no, that's with number two. Oh, okay. That's I said that he's in the top three. I mean, I, I just I'm a little surprised. I thought it's kind of salty. Yeah. What What makes the uh, the Allen Fieldhouse popcorn special, worthy of of the top three rating? I like it. Um, it I don't really have a like I said. I don't really have a huge explanation for it. I just enjoy the popcorn uh, a great deal. Gotcha. Well, staying with food here, Jordan. Uh, this is kind of an interesting one uh, for me because I, I like all the fruits, but what are your top three uh, personal favorite fruits? For me, I'd have to go with strawberries, bananas, and oranges. But what about you, Jordan? I think that's a, I think that's a good way to go. I think I'll just go with uh, your three. I think that's a solid group right there. Perfect. All the essential vitamins. So. I'm gonna switch gears and go to some uh, some jukebox jams. Um, what, what, what's bumping in your ear, Jordan? You're in the airport. You probably got headphones on. I can hear that that lady behind you talking about some nonsense. Um, but what 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 do you got playing in your uh, headphones and your plane? Are you talking? Oh, are you asking my favorite music? Yeah, yeah. We're going top three. Let's do top three artists for you, Jordan. Oh, well. oh gosh. Um... I'm going to, like, say three names, and I'm going to regret. But, okay, let's go with um, number one, uh, Jay-Z, number two, uh, Kid Cudi, number three, um, shoot, number three is going to be, um, it's a band, it's a band that I like. Okay, this isn't the band I'm thinking of, um, but let's just go with Led Zeppelin. That can be three. It's not really what three is, but I couldn't think of another band name off the top of my head. So we'll go with those three. It's <laughs> a pretty good pick. Yeah, I like the Jay-Z pick. I like the Kid Cudi pick. Uh, how about movies? What, what, what would be your top three in, in the movie category? Oh, boy. Um, you know, uh, number one, uh, I guess I'll... Shout this one out for all the journalists out there. Spotlight, number one. We'll go nice. with that one. Um, number two, 
Um, Got to go with the uh, romantic comedy Notting Hill. Uh, number two. And number three, we'll go with the um, Dark Knight Rises, that Batman movie. Gotcha. Solid picks. Yeah. A, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna wrap things up with some basketball. What's uh, top three national title contenders right now? You can call it basketball. Ooh, top three. Um, well, uh, I guess Kansas gets the edge on Baylor since they won. Um, but uh, I guess um, Gonzaga. Chet's doing pretty good, so Gonzaga. One, I saw Duke crush Baylor the other, or not Baylor, uh, North Carolina the other day. So we'll go Duke two and I guess Kansas three. All right, now the last one here, sticking with basketball. If you had to field a 3v3 basketball team of just former KU players, who would be your three-on-three team? A three-on-three team of any Kansas player ever? Yep. Um, Will Chamberlain, Paul Pierce, and, uh, Mario Chalmers. Well, there you have it. There's Pierce, Wilt Chamberlain, and Mario Chalmers. Personally, I'd probably go with the same first two, but put Devontae Graham in there instead of Mario Chalmers. But anyways, Jordan, thank you very much for, for playing along with us. Thank you for, for coming on Fieldhouse Friends. Uh, have a great time in Austin, and have a great week, my guy. Thanks, man. You guys, too. All right, welcome back to Fieldhouse Friends, Episode 2. And here we are with our first fan mailbag segment. Mail and we're going to be starting with our fan of the week and the fan question of the week. And I have Connor O'Brien here with me. Connor, how's it going? Uh, it's going pretty well. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate you taking the time for talking to me. Of course. And Connor, could you just go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, you know, your grade, where you are at KU, stuff like that. And then could you go ahead and give us your, your fan question of the week? Yeah, of course. All right, so uh, I'm a junior here at KU, so it's my third year. I'm from the California. I'm from the Bay Area. I'm majoring in sports management as well as business. And my fan of the week question for you guys would be, when do you guys see Remy Martin coming back? And when he comes back healthy and rested, do you see his role increasing with the Jayhawks? As Personally, as I believe, I think many fans would have imagined him having a much bigger role for the Hawks this year, and it really hasn't come into tuition yet. And I just, I'm wondering what you guys think about that and how you think he's going to play when he's back healthy and on the court. Well, as as far as Remy Martin's status goes, uh, last kind of update we got from Bill Self was on February 1st. Uh, he said that Remy Martin could be out for an extended period of time and that he is still suffering kind of the effects of that bone bruise that he suffered against Nevada. Uh, I mean, Remy, uh, he's playing on a leg and a half. You know, self, self said that. He's been out here recently. But whenever he gets back, you know, I think that he could be great as, as that sort of six-man 
type of player, right? Because I think Self has kind of, you know, gotten comfortable with, with who he wants his starting five to be. But Remy Martin, you know, whenever he comes in off the bench, he can really be a spark. He can be, you know, kind of a difference maker, you know, making KU play faster. So, you know, I think whenever he comes back and he's fully healthy, that him being that six-man sort of first guard off the bench would be a pretty good role for him. I agree. I don't think it's um, right to say, you know, he's a wash just because, you know, he's getting midway through the season and kind of lost his starting job. But I think the sixth spot is where he's going to be when it comes time to go to the tourney. And uh, I think if you can get him back maybe a week before the Big 12 tournament, maybe two weeks before, and, you know, really you get him back into the mix of things, I think he could be a, a pretty supportive player on this team and, and really help him out when it gets to March because they're going to need his talent when they get there. I cannot imagine this team getting too far without it. Yeah, I mean, self as previously said, you know, he doesn't really get too caught up in, you know, who's starting, who's coming off the bench. It really matters who's on the court in crunch time, who's on the court, you know, to end the game. And I think down the road in March, you know, Remy could possibly propel himself to be a guy that self-trusts in crunch time. But right now, I mean, KU really, they just need to get him healthy. They need to get him on the court playing again. And they just need to get him more comfortable with, with this team so Self can trust him in instances like that down the stretch. And moving on here with our fan questions, uh, we're going to be doing five each week. We have another one here. Who is KU's biggest threat in the Big 12 besides Texas Tech and Baylor? Connor, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I mean... You know, before yesterday, I would have said Baylor. But after watching them just get waxed, I think you can, I mean, really give Baylor a run on the road. I don't see why not. I know you you know, you have Allen Fieldhouse, I get it. But to catch that team that early and have that formula, uh, Scott Drew's going to need to make some real adjustments when he plays the Jayhawks again. But I think right now your biggest threats in the Big 12 would be, again, you're going to have Baylor looking for revenge. And two, you're going to have a really talented Texas Tech team that, has swept you off your feet before, and they could get you in the tourney down the road. Yeah, I mean, besides those two teams, uh, I'm really looking at uh, Texas. I mean, they're, they're, Texas is a solid team. Uh, Chris Beard is, is still trying to piece all those transfer uh, pieces together. Uh, I mean, they're 14-1 and at home this year, and, and KU is going to play them at home. So that'll be a tough game. But besides Texas, I mean, a lot of people have been sleeping on this TCU team. Uh, the TCU Horned Frogs are a pretty solid team. They're 15-5 and five in conference. I, they just fell to, to Kansas State on the road yesterday. But, I mean, this, uh, this TCU team is pretty impressive. They beat LSU uh, last week. They beat Iowa State. Uh, they have a win over Texas A&M as well from earlier in the season. Their, their non-con wasn't very strong, but... I mean, TCU, I think, is, is a team that can could give KU a run for the money, especially whenever they play them, you know, twice in three days in that little stretch. It could be a little bit of a, a trap situation there. Uh, but moving on now to our next question, which is kind of similar to this, but what is there a team in the country uh, that you wouldn't want to see on KU's side of the bracket? Uh, just any team in college basketball right now, Connor. You know, Sam, I think we just saw one of KU's biggest matchups, and that's Kentucky. We just came, They just rolled through and waxed Kansas here at Allen Fieldhouse just two weeks ago, and I think that's going to be a team that you do not want in your corner of the bracket when you get to March. 
You have a player like Keon Brooks who just wiped you up and down the floor, and I think they have a you know they have plenty of film to expose KU on, and you do not want them going up against you again, especially with uh, with that loss still lingering around your head. Yeah, for me, I, I kind of see two teams uh, that KU just would not want to play in March Madness, and to start, I would say Gonzaga. I mean, really, I, I still think the five spot for KU is, is kind of a, a, not necessarily a weakness, but it's kind of a place where KU needs to, to grow and improve as they move along if they want to compete in March. And, I mean, let's be honest, Chet Holmgren is a freak of nature, uh, and KU would have its hands full trying to deal with him, uh, especially David McCormick, because he's not really a type of guy you can you know, step outside and, and guard somebody on the perimeter. But we've seen lately that Chet Holmgren is, is a guy who can make shots from the outside and he can grab a rebound and push it straight up the floor for Gonzaga. So, I mean, Gonzaga's a really scary team just because of, of how they match up against KU inside. Then, of course, they have great guards. And then you have another team like Purdue. It's kind of the, the same scenario. You have seven foot three Zach Eady uh, in the middle of the paint there. I mean, it's it's just a tough matchup for, for KU, and we saw that against, you know, the team that you mentioned, Kentucky. If KU goes against some length and some athleticism, uh, they can have some troubles rebounding, which in turn can, can give them some troubles. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think those are the two teams for me that are kind of at the top of the list of, of scare teams for KU. Um, and that kind of moves us into our next topic as we talk about these great teams who have, you know, the the high caliber talent. Uh, another one of our fan questions is, do you think both Ochai Abaji and Christian Brown will be picked in the first round of the 22-2022 NBA draft? What are your thoughts there, Connor? Um, I think it would be a stretch for both, but I do think they have the potential to kind of get that, you know, in the conversation. I don't know if it's all the way in the conversation yet, but they're both really good players. I imagine they're both going to, I mean, Ochai will probably go, I mean, obviously go, but uh, I'm assuming Christian will probably explore that option too. Um, It's hard to tell at this time, but I would like to think in a perfect world, yes, they would both go, or maybe in a just world, yes, they would both go. Yeah. Well, I mean, the latest mock draft, I believe, uh, Ochai was somewhere around 12-13, and CB was 29 to the uh, Golden State Warriors uh, and that was in ESPN's latest mock draft. So, I mean, uh, obviously some of the draft experts think that, that that could be the case for both CB and Ochai to be drafted in the first round of 2022. But, I mean, honestly, I would lean more toward uh, Christian staying another year and, and having his senior season at KU. But, yeah, I mean, both of them are having great years. And I, I don't think there's any doubt that both are first-round uh, caliber talent. Uh, but it'll just it'll just kind of come down to if CB is is ready to leave or not. But that will wrap it up for our fan mail segment. Uh, thank you everybody who who sent in questions, and we will be posting uh, fan mail uh, on Twitter on Friday evening, so you guys can get your questions in for us next week. That will do it today. For Fieldhouse Friends with I, Sam Lance, and Connor Becker. Thank you guys for joining us and, and have a great week coming up. And 
be sure to stay tuned with us as we'll be coming out with with an episode next Monday uh, after KU takes on Texas and Oklahoma this coming week. Thanks for staying with us.